Hello, my friends. Welcome to Pensa Politics with Mr. Watson. I am most certainly, forever, and eternally your host, Christian Watson. It's great to be with all of you today, my friends. I am so happy to be here on this Pensa Politics podcast. And, uh, you know, the more I get in the groove of doing these shows regularly, because I've been doing them sporadically over the past few weeks, the more energized I become and the more excited I become because you guys are responding to me in a big way. You guys are enjoying the show. You guys are engaging. You guys are being, I hope that you're being enlightened. <laughs> that's my that's my hope at least. And as I always begin the show off by saying, I'm doing okay. Uh, we have some very big interviews, some very big guests coming up on Pensive Politics this month. I won't spoil it for you, um, but I'll give you a hint. In a week, we have a former presidential candidate, a former Democratic presidential candidate, coming on the show. And she's very interesting. She's been around, I'll say that much. And we're going to have a very good conversation about some very important issues that currently encompass the nation and engulf the nation. And yes, if the question is, Christian, do you talk to people who are on the left? Absolutely. Why not? I'm not on the left, but I think that it is very, it's pertinent to the pursuit of knowledge, the pursuit of truth. Talk with those who may harbor views that are either radically different than yours or uh, marginally different than yours. It's important to have that dialogue. So Pensa Politics is not an echo chamber. Pensa Politics is not... Pensa Politics is not here to confirm your biases. I'm here to make you think. I'm here to show you the connections between the human and the political. I'm here to do whatever I possibly can and whatever in my rhetorical and logical and conceptual authority, the very limited conceptual authority I have, I'm here to, to, to spark a realization of the truth of human freedom within your heart. And that may require me bringing other people who have very radically different conceptions of certain ideas than I do. So she'll be on. Then, at the end of this month, we have... An actor, a very, very famous actor who's been around, they'll be on as well. I'm, I won't spoil that for you guys. So I'm excited, in all honesty. I'm excited. Pence Politics is really breaking boundaries. We're really pushing uh, the needle, really pushing limits. And we are over, for a small show, we are overcoming a lot of doubts. We are overcoming a lot of pretension. We are overcoming a lot. And you guys are helping me do it. So, you guys, if you guys can just keep helping me do it, I appreciate it. Again, if you want to donate to support this operation, please donate to me, to, uh, to my PayPal, uh, officialcwatson at gmail.com. Very simple, officialcwatson at gmail.com. Any amount helps. A dollar, two dollars, three dollars, four dollars, a cent, whatever you can do, it helps me continue to produce good content for you because that is the only way I think we're going to be able to survive in the next four years and we're going to be able to perfect ourselves as individuals. And realize the truth, the true station of government in our society. So today we'll be talking about a few things. We're talking about this economic plan that Biden has released. Now, the price tag is the thing that is making most people's eyes just bulge out. 
And he's going to go through the details of this plan on primetime TV sometime after he's elected. And the idea is to pump, as this Reuters headline is saying, $1.5 trillion into the economy. So we'll get into this idea later. We'll get into this sort of Keynesian idea later, and I'll explain to you why I think that it is not only unjust, it is fundamentally unwise. Um, then I'll be talking about something very interesting. There is, there is a financial backlash towards the GOP and towards a lot of conservative-leaning organizations due to the events that have happened last, last week with the Capitol riots. I'm going to go into why that is. We're going to go into why you shouldn't be too concerned. And we're going to address this argument that I saw. It's a, a little bit of an old argument, but it's from Tucker Carlson. And he says that the Koch brothers are evil. Essentially, the Koch brothers are not conservative and they are trying to manipulate all of us. And they're trying to uh, string us towards ends that are not good for America or the preservation of the American ideas. He said this a year or so ago, but the Koch brothers just announced today that they are pledging to look into, or the Koch network is pledging to look into the actions of lawmakers amid the riots, which is a reasonable assertion in my opinion. My, my opinion, that's pretty reasonable. But we're going to talk about that and so much more on this episode of Pens of Politics with Mr. Watson. But before I get into any of that, my friends, let's talk about the episode from yesterday. A lot of you have been telling me that you appreciate my emphasis on individual rights and individual freedom. And that's great, because that is not what is being talked about in the mainstream press. Philosophy, the mainstream press couldn't care about philosophy. I have some people that I've worked with in my past, who I've worked with when I was doing, you know, more writing stuff, who just couldn't care about philosophy. I have a people who actually kind of berated me for caring so much about philosophy. Oh, Christian, no one will understand this. Oh, Christian, this is too much. Oh, that, oh, that. And now, of course, when I do my work, they never comment about it. If they ever do comment about it, it's, all, it's always, oh, that's nice, Christian. Oh, that's nice, Christian. No, that's a nice little podcast you're making there, Christian. No, I would just completely ignore you and keep doing my own thing. It's interesting how some people, and this is a life thing, too. I found this is a life thing, too. Some people will invest themselves into you when they have when they have the most gain and when they have more control over what you're doing. And they'll pretend to be helping you. But when they have no more nothing else to gain, at least for a short period of time, they backtrack. And then they'll completely ignore you. I found that interesting. Uh, but anyway, the principles that underlie a lot of these events are what we need to be talking about because again you don't have these events you don't have these occurrences without the principles that underlie them this is simply a world constituted of principles a principle of gravity which keeps us anchored to the earth a principle of human biology which says that we have to have oxygen we have to breathe co2 not co2 not co2 we have to breathe oxygen <laughs> we have to breathe oxygen to survive excuse me we have to be acting, like, there are so many different things which are simply laws of reality. And those things cannot be subverted by our arbitrary whims as human beings. 
So why in the world is Joe Biden trying to save an economy that proponents of his ideology have been shutting down for the past 10 plus months with an economic Keynesian motivated package? I don't get it. I'm confused. Maybe Joe Biden doesn't recognize the sort of notion of objective reality. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But Reuters has a new article out, written by Jeff Mason and Jarrett Renshaw, who I presume are two reporters for Reuters, saying the following. This was published today, three hours ago, as of the production of this podcast. President-elect... Joe Biden will unveil a stimulus package proposal on Thursday designed to jumpstart the economy during the coronavirus pandemic with an economic lifeline that could exceed $1.5 trillion and help minority communities. Oh, oh, that last part, you think about that really hard. Help minority communities. We'll get into that part in a moment. The article goes on. Biden's campaign last year on a promise to take the pandemic more seriously than President Donald Trump, and the package aims to put that pledge into action with an influx of resources for the coronavirus vaccine rollout and economic recovery. The incoming administration will work with Congress on the quick stimulus package after Biden takes office on January 20th. Although the impeachment of Trump threatens to consume lawmakers in the initial Weeks. Well, this is the mundane point that so many people keep hammering on. Oh, the impeachment will distract Biden's initiatives. The impeachment, this, the impeachment. That seems to be more of a concern to people than the fact that Democrats are now running an unjust scheme, an unjust vindictive scheme, levying their political capital, levying the levers of political power in this country, levying legislative authority to bring down a hammer upon Donald Trump, primarily because they don't like him and they don't like his tone. Look, you are free not to like Donald Trump. You are free not to like his tone, but you do not have the authority vested in you to institute a legal process against someone because their tone or their personality is distasteful to you. Well, Christian, it's not about his tone of personality. It's about the fact that he incited a riot. No, he did not. There, He did not incite a riot. And look, I what happened at the Capitol riots was terrible. A lot of Trump supporters were involved in that, although that protest was largely peaceful. And Media organizations, even left-leaning ones like The Guardian, are reporting that the protest at the Capitol was largely peaceful, and there was a small aberration which broke off and flooded into the Capitol, which was not peaceful, and that is what is deemed the Capitol Hill riots. So a majority of Trump supporters at that Capitol were actually being peaceful, whereas a very small minority, but a very loud and raucous minority, a very belligerent minority, a very effective, unfortunately, minority, broke off, went to the halls of Congress, and then began doing baleful things. You have to make the distinction. President Trump never told him to do that. But the passions, Christian, human passions are fickle. You could get passionate by hearing the sound of my voice right now. If you get passionate enough, you decide to go out and read 
volumes of philosophy after hearing me, and you're you end up with an aneurysm and you collapse, I'm not responsible for giving you that aneurysm. How you respond to what I'm saying, how you react to what I'm saying, is within the dominion of your individual will. Anyway, let's move on. Let's continue. Focus. <laughs> so the stimulus. Uh, the, the, this is the Reuters article now. The stimulus package has a price tag above $1.5 trillion and includes a commitment for $1,400 in stimulus checks, according to a source familiar with the proposal. And Biden is expected to commit to partner with private companies to increase the number of Americans getting vaccinated. A significant portion of the financial resources will be dedicated to minority communities. This is a quote. I think you will see a real emphasis on the these underserved communities where there is a lot of hard work to do. And of course, the rest of the article talks about impeachment and talks about the $2,000 checks. Although Trump himself supported $2,000 check for the Americans in the last round of stimulus, many of his fellow Republicans balked at that high amount. Settling on $600 checks instead, Biden may face additional opposition from Republicans to his initial efforts, but he will be helped by the fact that his fellow Democrats will control both the House and the Senate, at least by by a tie vote, at least. So, what are the problems with this stuff? Well, there are a few problems. Number one. This entire stimulus effort is predicated upon the notion of a collective economy. The collective economy does not exist. This is part of the problem of Keynesianism. The economy is not the solidified mass that can be like an organism or like a, or like a pet trained for a particular end. The economy is the sum of a infinitude of dynamic, disparate, and voluntary actions created from the micro level, which trickle up throughout society to get to a more broader level. I don't like saying the macro level, because the macro level assumes you can measure something within that level in isolation, and you cannot, because all that initially starts from the bottom. Yet, this plan treats the economy as if it is a single mass that can be manipulated like a pet and can be executed towards a particular aim without devastating consequences or without violating its nature. And that's just not true. The economy is a very particular thing that must be handled in a very particular way or that shouldn't be handled whatsoever and should be left to those actors who are involved in the economy directly and not the government. This is not merely an ideological statement. This is a statement that directly corresponds to what the economy is in reality. If I have $5 and I go out and I decide to go purchase a Rice Krispie treat, I am stimulating the economy, yes. Okay, but in this context of the Biden stimulus, if my business has been shut down for 10 whole months or I am operating at reduced capacity for a very long time, and I have no income coming in. 
Even if you give me that $1,400, I am having a steeper opportunity cost by instead of you giving me that $1,400, you not let, let me operate my business anymore. Do you see the point here? In New York State, just today, Cuomo was forced to let indoor dining resume in most of the state. This is from Politico. Today. It's happened today, a few hours ago, actually. Albany, New York. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is allowing restaurants in most of the state to resume indoor dining following a court decision that allowed some restaurants in the Buffalo area to reopen. So let's hold on. Cuomo came out in his recent State of the State address and said, we cannot, this is exact words, we cannot wait for the vaccine to reach critical mass before reopening. Now Cuomo is being exposed as the charlatan he is. He doesn't care about the vaccine reaching critical mass as a point of reopening. The courts had to force him. The courts had to force him. The courts had to force Andrew Cuomo to reopen his economy. So the article goes on to explain. Restaurants in areas which the state has designated as the Orange Jones face restrictive rules that include a ban on eating inside. One of Cuomo's assistants said, Gubernatorial Counsel Kumiki Gibson said, we are reviewing the decision. While that process is ongoing to ensure uniformity and fairness, all restaurants operating in Orange Zones can now operate under rules governing Yellow Zones. And Orange Zones are basically the highest level of COVID restriction in New York State. Yellow Zones are basically a little bit more loose, and they allow for 50% capacity to, to be open. And the judge said when, he, when they filed this, that they are, the state has offered no rational basis for continuing harsher restrictions while not imposing them on other parts of the state with higher hospitalization rates. So a judge had to step in and do their constitutional duty, thank God, and force Cuomo's tyranny to subside into a lower form. Although the judge used a utilitarian argument. Well, there's higher harm in this area, therefore, you're not acting correctly in that area, therefore, what, what the rest of the areas operate under a similar standard, which is a flawed assumption. But the effect of what the judge is doing is righteous, but the argument is not very righteous at all. It's flawed. It's flawed because, I mean, whatever. It should be obvious. But the judge is operating from a very wrong standpoint. It's wrong for Cuomo to have shuttered those businesses, not just because there's a lot of harm, because it is a violation of property rights. It is a violation of my, of my rightful ownership over my property. And an even starker assertion of paternalism for you as a government official to tell me or order, order me what to do with my property or tell people or order them what to do with their bodies as it relates to my property. But I, I trust that people have... People have the 
and premature of their consciousness decide what they want to do in a particular situation. And you should leave it up to those people to decide exactly what they want to do. But Cuomo's going to come in and say, oh, no, I have that authority. Then he's going to come in and say, oh, no, well, well, hold on. Even though I just shut your economy down, I just violated your property rights. I'm going to I'm gonna now say the vaccine, we can't wait for the vaccine. Let's open up again. Because Cuomo doesn't care about what's right. Cuomo cares about what is politically advantageous. And so how does this relate with Biden? Very simple, because we got to go in a moment. You don't fix economic ills when the pro- the progenitors of those ills are not economic or material lack. They are government tyranny. You fix the tyranny. You don't fix the lack because the lack comes directly from the tyranny. The customer bases are hungry to get back. The people are hungry to start living life again. They're hungry to start going out social outings again. But so long as people like Cuomo keep shutting their ability to do that down, no amount of stimulus is going to help. Simple. And a stimulus predicated upon a perverse notion of the economy as this organized mass, not a, 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 a compendium of dynamic and disparate interactions between individuals and their individual capacities and their voluntary capacities, to operate with that perverse notion is to completely and utterly misunderstand the organism, to misunderstand the concept in which they're trying to affect. It'd be like a brain surgeon not understanding the parts of the brain, not understanding what a neuron is, not understanding. It would be malpractice of the highest order if these people, if Biden's economic counselors were anything more than economic counselors serving a politician. It would be a crime, and it is a crime against the natural law. It's what it is. But unfortunately, it is not a crime against legislative statute. And you're going to see more things like this, see more misunderstandings of economics and the proper role of government and the proper nature of things as this presidency continues. This is just the beginning, folks. Biden's going to be doing mass mandates. Biden's going to be doing a lot of things, which are just absolutely gross violations of our freedoms. So the question is, are you going to be able to fight back against this with that illuminating fire of knowledge? Are you going to be able to point out, hey, Mr. Biden, the economy does not work like this. Or, hey, Mr. Biden, the economy is actually me. It is not you. It is not Paul. It is not Paul Krugman at the New York Times coming in and dictating and waving wands and, and, and reorienting things. The economy works because I am the, the one. I am the consumer that decides to go out and buy something. I'm the consumer that decides to go out and get skilled. I decide to go out and invest. I am the economy, Joe Biden. I am the economy. And it works because I work. Well, Christian, that's awfully individualistic of you. I know. Because it's the truth. Well, that's solipsistic. No, it's not. The economy exists independent of me as a concept. But in practice, it needs me. It can't exist without any of us. All right, guys, we got to go for a break in a moment. Again, if you like this content, please subscribe to my YouTube channel, Christian Watson. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere. Pensive politics. Please donate to PayPal, officialcwasgamer.com if you possibly can. Um, please interact with me on Twitter, everywhere. I'm on all platforms. Uh, we'll be back after this break, guys.
Hi right, everyone, welcome back to Pittsburgh's Mr. Watson. I'm your host, Christian Watson. Good to see you guys today. Uh, welcome back from the break. It's a nice break. <laughs> well, for you guys, it's only a few seconds, but for me, it's a little bit longer because I get to be able to do things and gather my thoughts. Um, Again, if, you, if you're subscribed to Pensa Politics, thank you so much. You are helping me achieve my dreams. You're helping this 20-year-old achieve his dreams, and I appreciate it immensely. I, I really do. Um, you know, I, I'm balancing this show with also going to college as well full-time, and also there's a lot of things I'm balancing this show with. And in all honesty, I want to be able to continue to do this show full-time as well. So if you guys could donate to me, I mean, I know I ask a lot, but still, it's really important. If you guys can donate to me, any amount of money helps any amount even if it's a cent i it helps me continue this project and give you more content again the information is paypal official at gmail.com that's it whatever you can send to me i appreciate it because i sincerely believe my friends that we are going to with this pensive politics we're going to create a new way of thinking about politics and analyzing ourselves in relation to political phenomena i am certain that we're going to do that and when we do that we can escape from some of the pitfalls we have uh fallen into over the past few years over the past decade over the past few few decades actually in politics but it's being magnified with the advent of the digital era over the past few years so i just i would love your help if you guys can give me your help with that it's all appreciated i promise you um but yeah so i was focusing a lot on cuomo and his actions and, and before the break and cuomo is just a single instance of a tyrant who had to be restrained by a judge for unjust or in the judge's utilitarian understanding um non-harm responsive irrational because of that reason irrational harm responsive measures um but it's not just cuomo who is infringing upon a business owner's energy to create profit kate brown kate brown in Oregon, she's doing the same thing. This story came out of Oregon a day ago, two days ago. It reads, it's from OregonLive.com, it reads, Salem Jim fined $126,749 for violating state coronavirus restrictions. For $100,000 for violating some bureaucrat's diktat. The article says, Oregon has levied a $126,749 fine on a Salem gym that has been repeatedly shut, uh, no, has, has refused, repeatedly refused shutdown in compliance with coronavirus restrictions. The largest fine that that state has issued for coronavirus workplace violations thus far. Oregon Occupational Safety and Health Organization announced Tuesday that it had issued the fine to Capital Racket Sports for willfully refusing to comply with state health orders at one of its courthouse club fitness locations in Salem. 
Courthouse Club did not immediately respond to a request for comment. The gym will have 30 days to decide whether it whether to appeal the fine. It appealed prior sanctions. Gyms and counties deemed extreme risk for COVID-19 spread have not been allowed in, to conduct indoor operations since late November under Governor Kate Brown's new framework for COVID-19 restrictions. The new regulations came after Brown mandated that gyms shut down entirely for two weeks in early November in an effort to slow the spread of the virus. So this particular gym accrued over $90,000 in penalties in November because it decided to operate against Governor Brown's diktats. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the people who Joe Biden is claiming he's going to help with his Keynesian stimulus package. The very people, members of his own party, the very people, members of his own ideology, the very people, members who endorse his own tactics, the very people who wield coercion like a drum, who wield coercion like a club, and vivaciously clobber and hammer against the wills and energies of autonomous, sovereign individuals. Those very people are now claiming that they can help you if you're a business owner, and they can help the economic destitution, which is largely caused by their own orders. They can't. These measures are corrupt principles. They are a part of the problem. They are a part of the affliction. So this $1.5 trillion stimulus package that Biden is pushing, be very skeptical. It's very easy for all of us to get distracted by the impeachment hysteria, but this is serious. So many progressive governors in the name of public safety are clobbering economic progress, which leaves so many people susceptible to the dole. So now Biden can come in and have a savior complex. Be skeptical. Be Skeptical. Be very skeptical. Because personally, my friends, I can't has I can't tolerate that kind of stuff. Rights violations are terrible. But rights violations in furtherance of an attempted savior complex. My God. You took something that's already criminal to something that is abominable. Think about it. Think about it. So that's why I don't support this new stimulus pack. For many reasons, of course. I mean, there are plenty of other principal reasons, but this is one of the biggest reasons. If you want to fix the economy, stop making businesses operate at, at minimum capacity or 50% capacity. Stop trying to dictate what people do with their own private property. Let people decide what they will do with their own resources. If you really, 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 really want to fix the economic destitution, the calamity that is still percolating across the economy, then just leave people alone, will you? My lord. The pretension is, is unspeakable, man. Speaking of the pretension, a lot of people are getting upset 
that certain donors are pulling their resources from the Republican Party um, after the Capitol Hill riots. And I understand why they're getting upset. Personally, the Capitol Hill riots, in my, my personal opinion, I think the Capitol Hill riots were a absolute abysmal stain on the Republic. And the people who perpetuated them should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. You had people going into the Capitol Hill building, the, the Capitol building, trying to kidnap Congress people, crushing police officers, wielding all kinds of weapons, laughing as they vandalized and besmirched members of Congress's office, stealing property, busting up property, all kinds of terrible things. So, and when you have certain people who were, you know, when you have certain people who are irreverent enough to have said a few things, then that's going to make some people suspicious. But I think a lot of donors are a little bit misguided in this because the Republican Party did not tell those people to go out and do that. One may argue that they stoked sentiments of fear and rage. I think fear and rage have become indicative and, and integral to American politics, unfortunately. We have to purge that affliction out of our political system, but it's become integral. I mean, what, Antifa is a manifestation of rage in a political sense. Sort of, actually, it's a manifestation of rage from a metaphysical sense and a political sense. I say metaphysical because it goes, <clears throat> Antifa is of this idea that there is this sort of determinist equality to history, which affects minorities and affects certain classes that they will call oppressed classes. And that they must fight back against this determinist equality, which in their opinion is manifesting in the form of conservatism and libertarianism and billionaires. All this kind of, it's basically very radical, radical far leftism wrapped in this sort of veneer and this sort of cloak and this sort of wrapping paper of, 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 of determinism. It's really disturbing. And so there was a story at the at Politico, the Koch network pledges to weigh heavy lawmakers' actions and riots. The powerful Koch network, as this is the article, funders of the Tea Party will weigh heavy the actions of members of Congress in the days leading up to and after last week's siege of the Capitol when considering future donations. In a sign that the GOP megadonor class is uncomfortable with the party's recent actions. Again, I think we should be very clear. The GOP did not incite this directly. But there were people in the GOP who should have been more careful with their language. And I think the Koch brothers are correct to say that. In a statement to Politico, the Koch Network said it will take last week's events seriously when deciding where to put its millions of dollars in spending next election cycle. Quote from the Koch Network. 
Oh, American Prosperity, who was was in the Cook Network. Lawmakers' actions leading up to and during last week's insurrection will weigh heavy in our evaluation of the future, of future future support. We will continue to look for ways to support those those policymakers who reject the politics of division and work together to move our country forward, said Emily Cito, CEO of Americans for Prosperity, Senior Advisor to Americans for Prosperity Action, the group Super PAC. So, look... a lot of people are reacting with anger. Oh, the Cokes are not conservatives. They don't like this party. Ah, da, da. The Tea Party was one of the most powerful resolutions to the United States Congress in a time in which very, very dangerous ideas were overtaking our government. It was a resolution that America would remember its founding principles and it remember its legacy of individual freedom. The Kochs helped that resolution manifest. How in the world can you say that the Kochs are not conservative or that? I just don't understand. Just because they don't conform to some rabid idea of what a political idea is thought to be of does not mean that they are not a part of the actual form of that political idea. Do you see the point? A lot of people have this mentality, this very stressful, this stress, it stresses me out, this mentality that billionaires or rich people are inherently bad or disconnected or don't understand things. This is a mentality that is on the right. I mean, Kelly Loeffler, one of the biggest attack points against her was her wealth. And look, I didn't like Kelly, I, don't, I did not like Kelly Loeffler. Kelly Loeffler was an absolute disaster as a, as a senator, as a candidate. I was not a fan of Kelly Loeffler, personally. I didn't want her to get beat by by Warnock, my lord. But I, I, I didn't like that lady. David Perdue, not a fan. But their wealth were some of the biggest talking points lobbed against them. Mitt Romney's wealth a few years ago was one of the biggest talking points lobbed against him. The reason why Donald Trump's wealth wasn't a... Uh, a a salvo against him was because Donald Trump was irreverent and vivaciously and, vi- and, and, and just happily open about his wealth. Mitt Romney ran from his wealth. Leffler ran from her wealth. Purdue ran from his wealth. Or at least they didn't do very much to defend against the media attacks against it. It's not a bad thing to have wealth. It's not a bad thing to accumulate a lot of resources and use those resources according to your conscience. And just because you have wealth does not mean you are in a certain strata of society which inherently demeans those who are at a lower strata. To think like that, my friends, is to think like a Marxist. To think in terms of classes and, and statuses and all these things, these arbitrary labels which don't really reflect the truth of our individuality. Let's not think like a Marxist. If you're a Marxist and you're listening to me, first of all, welcome. I, whoever you are, if you want to listen to me, I don't care if you're a monarchist, a Marxist, a progressive, whatever, welcome. You're, you're, you are welcome to listen to me. You're welcome in the Pens Politics family. I don't hate anyone. I love everyone. Some of my best friends were communists, actually. We had hearty debates, but we love each other at the end of the day. But if you're a Marxist, you're going to think that, that billionaires are evil because they have because they have a lot of wealth. And the wealth is taking away from other people. But the problem is, wealth is a dynamic quantity. It is not 
owned or captured by a single person, it is endlessly replenished and created. So there are a lot of bad ideas surrounding this criticism of the Cokes that I don't like. Them being a billionaire is not a bad thing. Actually address what they do, please. Tucker Carlson said that they are trying to they are elitist trying to lead the GOP away from its true purpose. But Tucker Carlson really doesn't understand. Tucker Carlson believes whatever he believes whatever is going to make him rich, whatever's going to make him prosperous. Twenty years ago, this guy was a libertarian. Even ten years ago, he was a libertarian. Now Tucker Carlson is constantly saying, Oh, libertarians are controlling the Republican Party. No, they're not. That's if just look at the Republican Party. No, 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 they're not. We have to forsake this hate, my friends. So I encourage you guys to see the billionaire involvement in politics in a very different way. The the attacks of Citizens United, all that kind of stuff, it's all comes from a misunderstanding of principles. So let's try to clear up misunderstandings, okay? Because that's the best way we can be helped in the situation. Um, Kyle Rittenhouse. This will be the last topic of the day. Kyle Rittenhouse. So Kyle Rittenhouse, there are prosecutors who are now trying to take to get Kyle Rittenhouse placed under um, under certain care because Kyle Rittenhouse allegedly flashed a white supremacist sign while he was being serenaded by the Proud Boys in a bar. This is the claim. So let's investigate it. So this is at CNN.com. Prosecutors seek to modify Kyle Rittenhouse's bond agreement after they say he displayed racist signs. CNN. Prosecutors are asking the Kenosha County Circuit Court to modify the bond conditions of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was facing homicide charges in the death of two men during protests last August, according to a motion filed by the Kenosha County District Attorney's Office. The office is requesting that Rittenhouse be prohibited from possessing or consuming alcohol. I don't know how that... I don't know how his consumption of alcohol relates to what, what happened. I, I, anyway, let's go on. Or being in any establishment that serves it. Be prohibited from making any public display of white power or white supremacy signs, symbols, or hand gestures, and to not have any contact with any known militia members or members of any violent white power white supremacist groups, including the group identified as the Proud Boys. This is what the Kenosha County District Attorney's Office is saying. The Proud Boys are not white supremacists. There have been white supremacists who have been associated with the Proud Boys, but as a whole, the group is not predicated upon white supremacy. The leader of the Proud Boys himself is a Hispanic man. This is a egregious... Look, I have a video on my channel that's either coming out or it already has come out, depending on when this podcast is posted, about the Proud Boys. I'm not a fan of the Proud Boys at all. But I'm not a fan of them because of... And you have to watch the video to get my full argument... Their excessive pride. They are not racists, for goodness sake. Just because there have been racists associate, you know, with the Proud Boys, does not mean that the Proud Boys are therefore racist. This is this entire libertarian to alt-right pipeline. Just because some alt-right people have been associated with libertarianism does not mean libertarianism is breeding out fascist, for goodness sakes. But some people are, are, are assuming that it is. 
It's guilt by association. The prosecutors in this Rittenhouse case are doing a classic guilt by association fallacy. But the reason they said that Rittenhouse was being a white supremacist was because he flashed the OK sign. This right here. If you guys are watching YouTube, you can see this right here. Okay. My lordy. Jesus. And a lot of articles are even mentioning that the okay sound sign is co-opted. It is not inherently racist. The CNN article even says, Rittenhouse was seen with other individuals flashing the OK sign, which has been co-opted as a sign of white power. Oh, Jesus. So if someone says OK with that OK sign, they could possibly be conveying white supremacism. So if a black person were to do that, are they conveying white I saw Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez doing an OK sign. I mean, you, here's the problem with distorting principles on the basis of a use, not on the basis of meaning. When you derive meaning from use, and you don't derive meaning from the actual principle and conceptual understanding of a particular action, principles become useless. So now, if saying okay with the okay sign is not considered a gesture of white supremacism, the sign is not being held in its official capacity and its official meaning. There has been an, a, a constant smear campaign against Kyle Rittenhouse ever since he shot the people who were trying to kill him, who were trying to shoot him. If anyone has watched the full unredacted video, it is very, 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 very obvious that Kyle Rittenhouse was engaging in an action of self-defense. He did not want to confront. He did not want to engage. He was running away from a crowd of people. He was forced to shoot. He kept running away. They kept chasing him. So before he even shot anyone, he was being chased, and they were going to kill him. And yet, because Kyle Rittenhouse happens to have a particular complexion, there are all kind of things associated with him. There is an active attempt by the government, i.e. the prosecutors, to paint him in a nefarious light. It has to stop. I'm getting sick of this stuff, man. It's not about Kyle Rittenhouse anymore, actually. It's about how we understand ideas. And if ideas can be hijacked by people and taken from their initial meaning, ideas have no more solid purpose. They have no more constancy. They are, they are forever and forever and eternally obsolete. But if I have anything to do with it, and if you have anything to do with it, ideas will not become obsolete. We're going to keep them to their original meaning. You can disagree that Kyle Rittenhouse was a 17-year-old kid out there with a the weapon patrolling the streets. If I had a kid, I'm just 20, I don't have kids yet. If I had a kid, and he was out there patrolling the streets with an, with an AR-15, I'd be pissed off. Excuse my language, Brian. Brian Hyde is the head of the network I'm on. Excuse me, excuse, excuse my language. I'd be upset. But doing something that is not wise 
is not the same as being a hateful person. We all make mistakes, and Kyle Rittenhouse should not be defined, and none of us really should be defined by our mistakes. We are bigger than our mistakes. We are bigger than our past, especially if those mistakes came from a genuine action of self-preservation when our lives were immediately in peril. His life was imperiled. So just to be very, this Kyle Rittenhouse story that's out here, I, I can't, the stuff like this makes me just want to scratch my head, man. It makes me want to scream. We have to stay true to conceptual righteousness, my friends. We have to stay true to the truth. We have to, we have to, and guess what? If I got anything to do with it, we will, we shall. All right, guys, coming on the end of our broadcast. Again, thank you for joining me on Pensive Politics, Mr. Watson. If you like this show, please subscribe to us on our podcast, Spotify, Pandora, wherever you get your podcast. Type in Pensive Politics. Listen to us. Follow me on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Minds. Paula's not going to be around anymore. Sorry. Uh, at Official C. Watson. Donate to us on PayPal at Official C. Watson email.com. I love all you guys. Thank you so much. I will see you tomorrow. And as always, think on what I've said, and please, forever internally, stay pensive. I love you guys. Bye-bye. Good night.